first 15 verses, and it'll pop up on the screen above. The first 15 verses are just repeated from 16 on, so we're going to begin there. The Word of God for the people of God. The nation of Israel and Moses had been commanded so many things to do for the Lord to come. It begins by saying this, This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases, set up its frames, put in its poles, raised up its pillars. He spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil. He arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and he burned the fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court So Moses finished the work. And then, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So throughout all, the, all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from above or over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys." Well, once again, church, you've done it. 19 weeks, 40 chapters, 1,213 verses, over 30,000 words, not including the ones that me and Tyler and Johnny added through along the way. All of that with one theme. That God rescues slaves and He brings them salvation. So with that said, may the Father, 
Son and the Holy Spirit receive all glory for any life change that has occurred as we've journeyed through one more book of the Bible. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for how rich it is, how meaningful it is. God, thank you for the journey that you've had us on as we've gone through the book of Exodus. Not only that, the book of Genesis as well. God, I'm thankful that there's not one single page or one single moment that hasn't had great meaning for all of us, but particularly the fact that sometimes in, in some of these texts, you just sat down in a specific way for specific people, for a specific need in their life in the now, in the 2022. Thank you how you do that. How by your Spirit, you take a multi-thousand-year-old text and it is living and breathing and alive for us right now, today. Lord Jesus, if you would be gracious to us one more time through the book of Exodus, let us see the glory and majesty of your Son. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the only way to start a final message through the book of Exodus, and I do want to say thank you. Thank you for journeying along. The only way to begin a message, our final message through Exodus, is to jump right back to Genesis. Because that's kind of where the whole thing began. And so, we've tracked this whole theme of this, the glory of the Lord coming. Would the glory of the Lord come? Could it come? And how does all that fit in? So maybe I want to kind of tie those pieces together, um, if we can. So we go back to Genesis to see that the glory of God ultimately was built into humanity right off the bat from the beginning. I mean, the glory was, it was something innate built into us. And so when we have talked about the glory of the Lord, we've tried to do that in several ways. But the glory of the Lord in simple form, if it could be boiled down to the simplest form, it's this. It's just the manifest presence of the Lord among His people. When the manifest presence of the Lord is among you, His, His glory is there. You can't detach the two from one another. His presence carries His glory, and His glory carries His presence, and they're just they're tied together. And so, as you think about that, in Genesis, all the way back to where we kicked off 2022, it was there. The glory was there in the garden. Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. So all the way back, if you go all the way back to our journey in Genesis, when God created man in his image... His glory was an intricate part of our being or our need. We needed it, like we need oxygen, like we need water. His manifest presence was what we need more than life itself. It was part of it. And he blessed that original man and woman with that. He blessed them. The blessing wasn't a car or a house or anything like that. As a matter of fact, they lived naked in a garden. So how he blessed them was His very presence. And then they fell. You remember Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They walked amongst His glorious presence in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves after they sinned from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. It was in eight. And then it was broken. And then because of that, they were banished. You'll remember as Genesis goes on in chapter 3, Therefore, because of this, the Lord God sent Adam and Eve out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So it was built in us, but then it was broken, and the glory of the Lord in part left. Sin is that dark. It moved man that far away from the Lord. And it certainly spit out the raging fire of His presence. There's no doubt about that. That's why they got kicked out of the garden. And life itself changed in many ways from the glorious light of the Lord's presence to darkness coming in. This is where it all began. But God, being gracious, didn't allow all of the flame to be snuffed out. He left a little spark. He left a little bit of His glorious glimmer or this craving for it within mankind. And we see that all around us, don't we? We see it in the curiosity of a child who looks up at the stars and goes, Whoa! Wow! Who did this? Or the curiosity of a 50-ish year old or more looking at the ocean going, Wow! Who did this? That spark still remained. We, We see that spark in the fact that there's never been a tribe ever on the face of the earth that hasn't sought to worship something. There's never been a single people group who didn't crave worship. There was that spark remaining. We see it at Christmas. One of the deacons in our prayer meeting this week prayed along these lines, and it kind of blew my mind. He was just kind of reflecting on the Lord's glory, and he said, Lord, even at Christmas... We see people chasing your glory by their desire to put lights on their houses and light up the darkness. Pretty powerful. That spark is in us. Mankind wants to light up the darkness. And that says something about our craving for the glory of the Lord that only He can provide. It was all the way back then. But the glory of the Lord, number two was impossible for man to cultivate on his own. That's been part of our journey as well. It was there, we broke it, we lost it, and then man, mankind tried to cultivate it by lighting up lights. God, we want to see your glory. Boom, lights. Santa Clauses. Or if you have an inflatable one that's dead. We try to light it up. Man chased it, but he couldn't find it. He couldn't cultivate it on his own. You'll remember the flood. Remember, every intention and thought of man's heart was continually evil. Couldn't cultivate God's glory. You remember it in the Tower of Babel, where mankind tried to build a building to get up there to His glory, right? And attempting to prove how powerful they were, the Lord said, you can't attain my glory on your own works. And then in idolatry, as we've chased all the way through the book of Exodus where mankind begins to build any object of affirmation to worship other than the Lord. 
where they built gods of metal and wood and plants and animals. And I would argue that idolatry is not just little statues, but it's any object of affection in our hearts that competes for the Lord's glory. Sport, hobby, money, and dare I say, family. Mankind has this big sin problem, and our sin problem is worse than we could have ever dreamed or imagined. Hence the word, damnation. And because of this, it's not just the bad that we do that's an offense to God's glory. It's the good that we do for our own glory that's just as offensive. So we have this massive problem. Again, it was impossible for mankind to recreate the glory of God that we had in the beginning. Though we crave it. And then number three. So as we've learned in Exodus, the glory of God in grace came to mankind to dwell in a temple because we could not go to Him. It's grace. Again, one more time, I repeat, never let anybody tell you that the God of the New Testament of grace is different than the God of the Old Testament who is wrathful. Genesis and Exodus scream of the grace of the Lord who came to mankind because we could not come to Him. And so God in His glorious grace came to dwell with man in this temple. So our entire journey has been with God rescuing this people, redeeming a people, and then revealing Himself to the people. And then after redeeming the people, instructing them on how to build a house so that He could come dwell in that house. And so God moved into a dirty camp with a dirty people in grace. When I was growing up, I was probably about 10 or 11 And we had a new family who moved into the house next door to us in Hueytown, Alabama. Go Golden Gophers. And as they moved in, I remember watching the U-Haul truck pull up and me and my buddies kind of hidden some azalea bushes that were right behind the house. And we sat there and we were peeping on them, peeping toms. And we were looking for a couple of things. Their moving in sparked curiosity in our brains, Right? Number one, do they have any daughters? (laughs) Number two, do they have any sons? And do their sons, number three, have any cool toys? That's all we wanted to know. They're moving in, pique this curiosity. Do Do they have this? Do they have this? Are they of some benefit to us? Imagine with me that God himself was the one who pulled up in a U-Haul truck and was about to move in next door to you. Now, how would that pique your curiosity? Number one, you'd probably go cut the grass (laughs) in straight lines, clean the gutters, paint the thing that you hadn't painted, you know, whatever. It'd feel a little different. I mean, you want to talk about a property value increase. (laughs) I live next to God Almighty. (laughs) Boom, value kind of goes up a little bit, I guess. But... What does God's glory moving in invoke in your heart? Does it invoke more than if a new neighbor pulls up? That's what's going on in this text. You'd probably ask questions like this. Is he going to love me? Will he love me? Church, if we've seen anything through Genesis and Exodus, 
It's been that, yes, that's the reason He came and moved in, to show you that He loves you. If you haven't learned anything else from Genesis next, just learn that. Number two, you may be saying, well, I know He's got to love me because He said He loved me, but will He accept me? As Tyler often says, will He like me? I know He loves me, but will he, will, he, will he just tolerate me or will He like me? If you've learned anything from Genesis and Exodus, I hope you've learned yes. That He moved into a dirty place for those who will humbly bow so that He could be the lifter of your head and wash your face and call you son and daughter of the King. We've learned that. And then maybe you say, well, well what does all this mean? What does it mean that he's moving in? How's that going to change things? Well, hopefully you've learned that when he moves in his glorious presence among somebody's life, it's because you are worthy to be on mission for him. He sees value in you, hence moving next to you. Did you catch it? He moved into the Israelites' temple. He had no part of the Egyptian temples. He moved in to proclaim His glory with a people that He knew could spread His glory. So, as we wrap it up, number four. The glory of God in the ultimate display of grace, then out of Genesis and Exodus, came to dwell with and inside mankind fully and personally. Genesis and Exodus are nothing more than the beginning to get all the way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the Incarnation. We read this in Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that church is how Genesis and Exodus have led us all the way through 2022 to Christmas. Pretty neat, huh? What a journey it's been as we've been chasing God's glory from fall all the way through Him filling the temple. Or dare I say, what a cool journey where the Lord has been chasing us with His glory to reveal how good He is. Good news of great joy for all people. That's fun, isn't it? Good news as the band comes back up. Which is good news, too, that the band's coming back up. Good news. News that people had failed over and over and over and over in trying to climb their way to the Lord. But God shocked the world by coming down to an imperfect people to rescue them from themselves. That's good news. It's good news. When you look at your Christmas tree that's already set up 
And if you haven't set up a Christmas tree, you might be a heretic at this point. Not sure. If you don't know me, okay. Um, I don't mean that. Kind of. Um, (laughs) See the good news. The good news that Christ has come into your darkness to light it up and bring Christ. The good news of great joy. Think about the giddiness of a kid who opens up that present. They get all giddy. Or the giddiness of somebody at a wedding or the giddiness of a birthday. But the great joy is more than that. It's more than the coolest Tonka toy out there. It's the fact that the promised, prophesied Messiah, the Holy Child, was to be born to redeem us from our sin. Good news of great joy. And this might be the best part. For all. For all. He came to the non-academic. He came to the non-athletic. He came to the non-artistic. He came to the non-aesthetic. And that's all the A's I could come up with. He came to those that don't have it all together. He came to all people to break down the dividing wall and to bring one people to himself to call them sons and daughters to be part of his family. A long-expected Savior born to set the people free from themselves and back into a Genesis relationship that was never intended to be broken. We've come full circle, church. And we will not do Leviticus next. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Genesis is about Jesus. Exodus is about Jesus. Isaiah is about Jesus. Christmas is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for our journey through the whole year. Genesis and Exodus, every word rich, every word meaningful, every word pointing to your glory that we lost, but you brought to us because we could not earn it on our own. So Lord, thank you for the sacrificial work of your son, which Tyler will clearly explain in just a moment. Lord, be with him in that moment as he bathes us in the gospel. And if there's an unbeliever in this room, that they'll hear the gospel and and hear the good news of great joy for all. Lord, the day that somebody would come to see your glory. Thank you that your name is greater than all other names. May the one name perpetually be on our lips this Christmas, that being Jesus.